On today's Stuck In, we were that close to Messi versus Ronaldo, but a perfect storm of UEFA incompetence, Andre Arshavin, and an inverted commas software glitch deprived us. Actually, let's just be honest. It's all Manchester United's fault, obviously. Jared and I rap about that, other UEFA nonsense, and all the fun domestic action around Europe, plus a buttload of segments. And somehow we still kept it within time. Go us. Anyway, we've got more ground to cover than Joshua Kimmich walking back his vaccine hesitancy. So, without further ado, let's get stuck in. My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no power, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no fame, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. One more and more, people just want more and more freedom and love. What he's looking for, one more and more. Welcome to Stuck In, a Farmers League soccer podcast. Today is Monday, December 13th, 2021. And if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Uh, And if you thought international governing bodies couldn't get more corrupt and incompetent, think again. Uh, UEFA, as uh, I'm sure everyone has heard right now, and by the way, Jared, uh, pretty current here because this news is pretty much just developing uh, this morning. Uh, But yeah, UEFA botched the Champions League draw because, of course, uh, and also, of course, had bullshit reasons to blame it on, citing faulty software uh but we all know that it was you know manchester united's fault uh but let's just call it what it was total botch job by an incompetent organization uh and yeah we'll go into a little bit of detail in the topics today but uh yeah jared let me see your surprised face about this one yeah um, i think you hit the nail on the head perfectly with the um horrible excuse because as we talked about the other day this is not a complicated process there's like two rules you can't play someone that was in your group you can't play someone that was in your country that's it the only other rule that ever comes into a place in a Champions League draw is, is usually in a group stage thing where if, like, you're in the same city, you have to play on different days as well because of TV or something like that. That's obviously not the case here. So, yeah, and, and it's like an error that could have easily been checked by, like, a human brain, right? Like, if I use a calculator and I type in 2 plus 2 and it spits out 5, I'm not like, hmm, okay, well, I guess that's the answer. Like, if they saw that, And like, clearly that's not fitting the parameters. Clearly all you have to do is think those two things and then be like, oh, no, 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 we got an issue here. Instead, they just, yeah, plugged it in. Yeah, and it's weird also because like, even if you look like the World Cup draw, for example, when when they're pulling nose pots and there's rules, right? You can't have two African teams or two Asian teams or whatever. And like, what happens is that if you're in group C and you pull like a team that can't be drawn into that thing, they just move them into group D. Like they just push it down a little bit. I don't understand why they can't do the same thing here or whether they do do the same thing here internally and we just don't see it. Um, Yeah. I'm not really, I'm not a hundred percent sure how they actually achieved this end. Uh, But of course it it is wildly embarrassing. And then of course uh, 
you know, obviously massively controversial at the same time. Yeah. So let's actually rewind a little bit and give the traveling supporters a little bit of context here. Here's the process. Here's how it works, right? You've got the host, there's, you know, this MC guy or whatever, that's like running the whole thing. And then of course you have the UEFA officials. Plus there's always some guests, by the way, Andre Arshavin. I mean, that would probably go in, in uh, uh, spoiler alert, one of the segments that we'll have later on today uh, fits in perfectly there. But the point is, is you, you usually have, you got three guys at three stations, right? The first station is, you know, just some UEFA big wig or whatever. And he's got the bowl of all the second place teams, right? Then you have another UEFA big wig who's got all the first place teams and the bowls for the first place teams, they all have like, you know, eight balls in them. So eight balls representing their own team name. And as the uh, second place teams are getting pulled out of that first bowl, that's when they then go to this software and it says, okay, here are the eligible or the valid first place teams that could be played or drawn in this fixture here. And then they take one ball from each one of those bowls and then put them into the third bowl as if it, you know, let's talk about fucking convoluted for God's yeah, sake. Right? Say, this is not this difficult. Like, right? I, I know like, it's unbelievable. And then they put it in this third bowl and then this guest guy, you know, just like swirls his hand around in there. So Arshavin is just like, you know, limp wristing like these balls around in this bowl. And then he just pulls it out and that's the team that they draw. So again, like talk about fucking convoluted. So yeah, that, that's how it works. And, and so uh, apparently like the, and just to wrap it up. So when they then do pull these balls out of the first place teams thing, right? It goes through that software to say, here are the eligible teams. Here are the ineligible teams. Is it validated? Yes or no. And when they get that call, it's almost like referees with that, like, you know, microphone system and the, and the headphones. Uh, and they, they get like the main guy gets the call from the software. Is it valid or not? And he was told that it was valid. It was not valid. And so guess what? They had to redo the whole thing. Yeah. And again, this is something that could easily have been fixed by just having three 10 year olds do this. Like, this is not the most complicated thing. And and again, like you just now that, and and once you've made that mistake, you're, you're fucked for multiple reasons. And of course, what we see here is that when you have to redraw for any reason whatsoever, someone is going to feel aggrieved. And in this case, uh, largely it's been Real Madrid has been already the loudest, which again, they went from what playing like Benfica to playing PSG or whatever it was. So it totally makes sense why, you know, they would feel pretty shitty and their draw was before the mistake. So their argument is, well, why, why are you redrawing us when we, you know, so now, now you've gone down the, now you've yep. completely lost the pot. You're going to piss somebody off, which is inevitable. Uh, and it, as you said, it, it is wildly embarrassing. Um, you know, it's actually funny. I think like seven or eight years ago, this actually happened in CONCACAF, right? The CONCACAF champions league. And it was like the same idea where like U.S. and Mexican teams were supposed right. to be apart and they fucked it up. And of course, the best part is then everyone's answer was, oh, man, you don't see this kind of shit in UEFA. Well, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 bad. And, and uh, I don't want to say it's going to um, to necessarily like invalidate what happens moving forward. But I do think in some weird way, there's always going to be this little like I don't want to say asterisk, but like blemish on the record that so-and-so is going to win this Champions League. Oh, that was the Champions League where they fucked up the draw. Because if, like, Madrid gets knocked out by PSG, you're going to always say, well, maybe Madrid would have made a run. Or maybe, you know, or even if PSG loses to Madrid, right, they weren't going to play Madrid. So maybe PSG would have made a run. So now you've just, you've really just put this shadow over this, uh, I would say, historically. Exactly. There's always going to be the what if. There's always going to be the asterisk, even though like the reality is, is this, you know, it's a random draw anyway. You could have gotten these teams, you know, as is. So 
whatever. But yeah, there's just always going to be that human, you know, what if element that goes along with it. It was hilarious to me, though, because you're talking about the Real Madrid and PSG thing. And obviously PSG originally got drawn against Manchester United. And we're all like, oh, man, what a shocker. Yeah, it was, it was rigged, rigged draw. Messi. Yeah, rigged draw, right? And then they actually reverse it. I thought it would, you know, if anyone would have thought about UEFA, what they would have done was like, you know, thrown out a previous uh, draw that didn't get Messi and Ronaldo uh, put together and then redraw it so that they did. But it, in the end, it was re the reverse. So I guess maybe that's like an argument against it being rigged because, you know, why would they want to overturn that? Obviously, the sexier storyline is Sergio Ramos going back to play Real Madrid, not Ronaldo versus Messi. So clearly, this is why they rigged it in this uh, in this order. <laughs> yeah, there you have it. Uh, well, anyways, uh, in the end, here are the results. Uh, Salzburg will get absolutely destroyed by Bayern Munich, uh, unfortunately. Um, Sporting will play City, Benfica, Ajax in probably the draw that no one will watch, even though it, it, it'll be they good. Really, everyone Benfica's should plus. watch this. Like, this is I insane. <laughs> Ajax is excellent, and, and Benfica have really outkicked their coverage. They're an excellent side. So, yeah, that'll be a good one, but no sexy names, no Super League tag to it. So I'm sure uh, no one will watch that. Uh, Chelsea actually got the double Lille uh, poll. They got it in the first draw, then they redrew and got Lille again. Uh, so it will be Chelsea versus Lille. Uh, Atletico ends up being Manchester United's uh, opponent in the round of 16, Villarreal and Juve. Uh, Inter and Liverpool, and then, like you said, PSG and Real Madrid. Uh, Jared, a quick word on maybe any enticing matchups. We just touched on one that will be sort of like an underdog or underrated uh, matchup. But, but yeah, I mean, it looks like okay, I guess. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Real and, and PSG is the uh, the marquee kind of tie. As I said, I think IX Benfica might actually be the most exciting, if not certainly the sexiest. Um, you know, look, this happens sometimes in this round of 16, you get you know, like, I, you know, the Bayern tie and the, and the city tie to me. And even the, I guess probably Chelsea will, for that matter, are really not all that uh, you, you figure them to be possibly one sided. Uh, I think that the United Atletico and the Juventus Villarreal draws are just to me not uh, not going to be uh, tactically exciting. Uh, they might be close. They might be, you know, filled with drama. But, I don't, you know, I don't think that. Uh, you're already in February. I'm not like drooling at the idea of sitting down to watch United play Atletico Madrid, uh, just knowing how absolutely dour that game is likely to be. Uh, yeah, it's going to be hilarious. I, by the way, the the juxtaposition and like total opposite of those two approaches. I mean, you got like Simeone, just pure like South American passion and and energy and emotion, and then you've just got like you know the the machine, you know Ralph Ragnick, like implementing this German system in there. Uh, that that'll be like really interesting to see. The, I mean, I guess it's, it, I guess it's tactically interesting. I just don't think it wins. To, I don't think it's going to win to be a particularly exciting game. Like I I, I don't okay, think we're going to see yeah. a United Atletico like three two like match in either leg. I, I think it's going to be like a couple one nothing kind just of just tower one nil. Yeah. yeah, and and like I guess again it, it might be tactically interesting, but again I'm not. You know, if, if you're asking me, do I want to watch, like, knowing what I think is going to happen, do I want to watch United Atletico or, like, Ajax Benfica? I'd actually rather watch Ajax Benfica just because I think it's going to be, you know, the fireworks and, and a little bit more offensive. Uh, Liverpool Inter could be exciting, but I, I just think Liverpool has probably a bit too much uh, for what Inter is providing as well. So yeah. I think that if we can, you know, in a weird way, if you can avoid a couple of the upsets, I think we're looking at, obviously, quarterfinals that could absolutely be uh, fantastic as usual. But uh, round of 16, again, outside of that Madrid-PSG kind of matches, is, I don't think there's anything there that I'm absolutely drooling to see in two months. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, speaking of the timeline, I believe we start the first legs in about mid-February or so. Yeah, we got the first, uh, it's like February 15th and 16th. 
February 22nd and 23rd are all leg ones. And then uh, the first couple weeks of March have the reverse fixtures. It's that actually good. This pretty much takes round of 16 does take a month. Uh, I, I don't really know why they've decided to kind of do it that way. Uh, but just, yeah, I guess to have fewer matches on the same day or whatever, they're trying to do this, but yeah, like the first leg of the first match is February 15th and the last leg of the second leg is, is March 16th. So it does take a full month. Alrighty. Uh, and yeah, we'll leave the champions league at that, but Hey, let's keep it in UEFA here, Jared, and just keep piling on, uh, in some other UEFA news. Uh, obviously there were draws, uh, otherwise, uh, one for the Europa league and ding, 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 Jared, as we predicted, as we're not as no one is probably shocked uh but i mean at least they got the draw right by the way uh the first time uh but yes barcelona have drawn napoli and isn't that going to be a tie uh is it like or, yeah maybe like, it's not like, <laughs> like is there anything we've seen from from barcelona in the last like three months that indicate that napoli is not going to roll and then and I, napoli's not in great form right now to be fair but uh uh, like in the second, but I don't know. Like, uh, I, I, well, hey, if Barca me, get Pulisic power in the January window, who knows? Uh, good Lord. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, look, I mean, to be fair, I think, uh, I think I'm much more interested in Leipzig and Sociedad. I'm far more interested in Dortmund and Rangers. I'm probably more interested in Porto and Lazio. Obviously, Barcelona, like, there's the, the appeal of it is, is massively high in the drama and the, and the what's going to happen makes it must watch. But I think purely from a, from a soccer perspective, I, I there's, you know, three or four other matchups I, I much prefer. Oh, yeah. And I, believe me, I will not be watching Barca-Napoli. Uh, and just to kind of round out the, the draw, and as a reminder, uh, these are the third-place group stage Champions League teams against the second-place uh, Europa League teams, obviously playing in uh, to play against the, the first-place teams uh, in those Europa League groups. The other ones, uh, Zenit St. Burger King against Real Betis, Betis, Betis whatever. Um, Atalanta draws Olympiacos. Uh, Sevilla against Dinamo Zagreb uh, and if that dude just keeps hitting bangers like that Sevilla don't stand a chance uh, and then of course our uh, everyone's favorite uh, Sheriff will draw Braga in the oh, that, by the way that's a pretty pretty good draw for Sheriff if we're being honest right they could have gotten a Napoli or a Sociedad or, or even you know a Betis or something like that and and you know if, if you're going to get if they're going to make a run I think getting Braga is about maybe about as good a, a draw as they could have gotten. Maybe Olympiacos would be better, but, uh, you know, maybe Sheriff could actually uh, squeeze another one out here and, and, and live to fight another death. There you have it. All right, we will stay tuned for that as well, also beginning in mid-February. I mean, they're pretty much on the same schedule, right? Yeah, or... just okay, about. Cool. cool. Uh, and then the last thing in UEFA news, uh, let's round it up with UEFA Conference League. Uh, here's a, actually, a, th this was – it was like kind of a surprise, but not so much a surprise to me. And I don't know, this was obviously a weird one from the beginning, um, but UEFA have decided that they will not play the Tottenham Hotspur Vitesse game uh, after all. And I think it now just has to like go to the committee or, you know, whatever. They're going to look through the bylaws, figure out like how to judge this result, because obviously this result still has some sort of uh, influence on it, right? Yeah, and, and this could go either way, and this is going to be t difficult, and UEFA is really in a tough spot here. I get, I, the rules stipulate that all group stage matches must be played by December 31st. Uh, you know, as we've talked about ad nauseum, especially as it relates to Tottenham, uh, you know, there's just not a lot of uh, room on the schedule because the Premier League is playing midweek games. And I think the only time that they really had an opening, I think, was this week. Uh, and then Ren said that they, like, really weren't all that keen on playing on December 15th. And so now, like, we don't know what the answer is because on the one hand, you could easily argue, Hey, Tottenham was unable to fulfill the fixture. 
So that would mean that they would forfeit the match and Vitesse would go through. But there's also an argument, I guess, at this point that says, hey, UEFA offered and Tottenham offered a suitable date to play the match. And Wren said no. And so now does Wren be held accountable for that? And would Wren have to forfeit? And thus that would send, of course, Spurs through and, and, and Vitesse could be eliminated really without anything actually happening on the field to do it. Uh, I do not envy the decision uh, that UEFA has to make here. I would say objectively, I think it's probably safer for them to uh, to rule that, that Spurs has to forfeit uh, due to the COVID thing than to say Wren has to forfeit for not wanting to play a midweek game in the middle of their their league fixture schedule. Um, yeah, because I, I was going to say, Jared, that would be the biggest bullshit. And by the way, sorry, I said Spurs, Vitesse, right? Spurs, Ren, Vitesse are through. All right. but, but that would be the biggest bullshit of all time if Spurs were the reason why this why this postponement happened uh, and then, like, Ren end up forfeiting it. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I mean, again, I, and again, as we talked about last show, uh, under normal circumstances, I would agree completely. But now, again, in this era of COVID, where we are expecting everyone to be a little bit more flexible, I yeah. don't think it's completely un. I don't think it's out of you know out of, beyond the pale to say to Ren, "Hey, look, I understand this is a pain in the ass, et cetera, et cetera." And like again, Ren's already through it, and not that this would make the test per se any happier, but I mean, I I don't see why UEFA couldn't go to Ren and go, "Look, just fucking send the U18, take your beating, like just fulfill the fixture, so we don't have this fucking headache." But I guess if Ren knows that Spurs are more likely to forfeit, they have really have no reason to to really even go through with that part of it. So. Uh, again, I, I, they have to make a decision, I believe, by December 31st. Uh, again, these, these, the, the matches is February 17th. So I guess they have some, some time in that regard. But again, you'd still have to plan and travel and, and so on and so forth. So uh, it, it's a difficult decision. I don't envy the decision. Uh, if you put a gun to my head, I'm, I'm going to say that they're going to they're gonna rule against Spurs and they're going to count as a forfeit. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, other than the you know, it's bullshit sound of it, I, I, I don't know that many Spurs fans that are going to be actively upset if that's the way it goes. Yeah, no, right. It's, it's like they're like crossing their fingers to get a ruling in their favor to continue. To then have to play an extra game league. and then yeah, to have to in like, February to have to go to Austria and then host Austria. And then if you win, you have to go somewhere else. Rant. So, you know, again, like I, I don't know that this Europa Conference League is going to mean anything to anyone who wins it outside of, you know, if, if maybe like a, kind of a, a quote-unquote lower level side wins it that you know if Carabag wins right the the conference league I, I guess it would be probably a really huge deal for them but I don't know if it is for Spurs or, or Roma or you know even PSV or someone like that so you know is is Spur, are Spurs really gonna mind uh, I don't know then add you know 15 fixtures in the in the spring yeah probably not uh but right so we we will uh we'll keep our eyes peeled for that and report when it happens uh, but yes, I agree with you. I, I think Spurs will be ruled against uh, and we'll just kind of leave it at that and never mention the Conference League again, uh, or at least for this year. Um, but yeah, let's uh, move on. Last topic here, uh, the tried and true, our usual uh, domestic league roundup, because uh, in the midst of all this crazy uh, UEFA League news, of course, uh, just another weekend of fun domestic uh, uh, fixtures. So yeah, let's start it off with the English Premier League. Um, a number of results here to talk about. Uh, let's kick it off with with what I thought was actually, uh, you know, probably the most intriguing game of the weekend, or at least that I saw or, uh, you know, did a deep dive on uh, was Crystal Palace three, Everton one. Uh, and it was interesting to me for for a number of reasons. Uh, but but yeah, like for me, Jared, th this was just like, and we've kind of piled on Everton a bit, you know, we've, woe is me, poor Rafa, you know, all that stuff or whatever. And we all know Everton are in a really, really bad spot right now. Uh, but but dude, this game was to me was just like an epitomization of their season for a number of reasons. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you kind of uh, respond to that. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Palace, uh, you know, fully deserved the result here. I, I, in many ways, I think 3-1 almost flattered Everton in some way. Uh, yeah. It really did. Like, right? Like, I mean, and this is a team, I mean, Palace has not been a great this year by any means they've been wildly inconsistent uh you know currently sitting about 12th so they're mid table but you know they've had some good ones and had some bad ones and i i just thought they were they comprehensively handled this game uh i don't want to say easily but but comfortably and we talked uh, uh, you know we talked about benitez last show and i gave him my you know get the sack and if we did another one this week i actually joined with you <laughs> that i was gonna just right. throw him right back out there but like and and the problems i think are even deeper than than I even realized, even then, um, you know, at the time that he had already kind of dropped uh, Lucas Digne for for apparently uh, non, you know, not injury reasons or maybe some sort of behavioral thing or something. Right. And then, like, the players kind of are on Digne's side here. Like, they beat, you know, Arsenal the other day. Uh, and after the game, you know, like, the players were celebrating with themselves, but really didn't celebrate with Benitez at all. They kind of ignored him. And then the yeah. other day before they lose to Palace, you know, Damari Gray's out there in warm-ups wearing, like, Digne's warm-up stuff, like, wearing his teammates' number and, like, you know, in solidarity or whatever, like, on the field before the match. Like, it, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on here. And then you, you see him on the field and it's just, it's a, it's a mess. And, yeah. Whew, Judd, real quick, dark. do you remember that? Do you remember that clip from, um, like, the Little League, like, softball World Series where all the girls, like, they hit a walk-off home run or something like that. And the coach, like, goes over and put, has his hands in the air and is trying to celebrate. And they literally all just run right by him. <laughs> and he like just, gym- like, stood standing there like, uh, anyone? Oh, okay, okay. It's the, it's the Jim Valvano running around the court and, like, yeah, looking, State, for like looking for someone to hug and everyone's hugging yeah. somebody else. But, like, yeah. again, this is targeting. Like, nobody, like, as you said, like, nobody wants to even like go near him he's like this he's like the old dad as you said in the whittling scenario right he's like this toxic guy right now that like i don't like the players i don't think are playing for him and i know that's cliche and we talk about oh, the players quit on the coach you know the players playing for the manager and, sure. you know we talk about this all the time and it, it seems fairly obvious to me that the everton players right now just do not care about playing for for benitez and i guess that's probably not going to change until he's gone yeah, either they don't care or or they like hate him. I mean, you saw the reaction when Richarlison was pulled off. And yeah, I know, right. you know, he, he normally is the type of guy that doesn't want to come off. He's probably going to have some sort of reaction. We've talked about, you know, this in general on the pod before. Like, you can't just be disrespecting and insubordinating your coach. But yeah, I mean, it just it truly does show how frustrated they are and probably how much they just don't like him as a manager. And and that was part of the epitomization for me. The, the biggest thing, Jared, uh, for me was actually the first goal. I mean, just like the incompetence from top to bottom, just almost like the hilarity of the mistakes, just a, uh, uh, you know, a comedy of errors pretty much where, you know, Damari Gray pretty much just like plays Crystal Palace in. It was like just so needless, so pointless, terrible mistake plays them in and then boom Connor Gallagher slots who by the way you got to give some props to this guy he's just been absolutely in form I know they're talking about him maybe in the English setup I, that might be a step too far for me he's he's you know fantastic player who's doing really well but anyways um yeah just like that to me was just so you know we talk about so spursy like it's becoming so Everton at this point and yeah they never looked back and, and the end result 3-1 all all Everton got was basically a consolation goal from none other than and again another reason why it's an epitomization of Everton right now fucking Solomon Rondon like you're relying on this like aging out of form just like just past his prime striker Solomon Rondon it's just it's just a shambles dude and by the way and and I think to your broader point you talk about Richarlison and and 
you know, where Charleston gets subbed out, he's angry about it, and that's fine. Rondon's the guy who comes in and scores within like ten minutes, right? And you yeah, can really exactly. argue even that, like it's like tactically speaking, right? It works, right? It's a, it's a I don't want to say it's a great sub, but it it's a sub that certainly pays off as Rondon gets him back in the game. And even then, we can't even pretend to say, oh man, like Benitez got that part right, or, or you know, this, yeah, that, yeah. or the other. And, I, and again, I think it just speaks to the utter like the the utter calamity of the situation where that sub happens Ron Dondo score and all we can talk about after the thing is how bad it looked well look it was when he subbed for Charles off not that he did the right thing and, and got the spark from the guy off the bench yeah exactly uh and just to close the loop on that uh, again Connor Gallagher with uh just you know the the uh third needless goal but I mean still an absolute banger uh and and yeah just props to him uh and props to Crystal Palace in general uh obviously you know uh Patrick Vieira doing great with that side and and I think uh, well, I don't know. I, I think we just we didn't have many expectations, especially for, you know, a, a manager of his track record and and the players that they have there. Uh, but I, I think he's done really well. And, and, and a little hat tip to Crystal Palace and Vera there. Yeah, he's he's holding his own. And, and you know, like it, it's funny. It's and obviously this isn't the case, right? The, the most Premier League teams have played 16 games, which means they've played just about everyone in the league. But it, it just seems to me that like every time I look up, Crystal Palace is playing like a really good team. I, I, I feel like they've played like Liverpool and <laughs> right. City like four. You know what I mean? Like obviously that's not totally the case, and they've dropped some points against some teams that you maybe, uh, you know, maybe you wouldn't expect them to, or, or they you'd be favored maybe not to. But again, this is a team that did beat Man City earlier this year, and they have they drew against Arsenal and. You know, they drew against Leicester and, they, you know, and they've had some pretty – drew West Ham even. And there's a team that's had really good results against mm-hmm. some really good teams, and now they just need to be able to put it together and, you know, not do things like, be, you know, beat a city and then lose Aston Villa at home or, or you know, yep. something like that where if they can just get the consistency going, uh, you know, drawing Newcastle at home, obviously not great either. So if they can kind of channel what they've done in a couple of these games against the good teams, against teams, you know, like an effort like this, right? Everton obviously is a bigger name, but not a great team. This is the kind of result you need to get. And if they can continue to get a few more of these, you know, they're not like, look, they're not probably pushing for Europe this year, but it really puts them in a spot where, you know, Vieira is trusted and then players want to go play for him because again, he's, you know, guys like playing for legendary, you know, guys who are legendary sure, players. Yeah. And then like right in a year or two is Crystal Palace, the kind of team who's, who's a top seven, eight, you know, fighting for Europe kind of team. And, and I think it's possible if they can keep them that long, if they're continue to be successful. Oh yeah. And especially with conference league, now everyone's fighting for Europe. Uh, but yeah, currently they sit 12th in the table, 19 points, which by the way, again, is only eight points off of the drop. Let's be very clear about that. So, uh, but, but yes, you know, hat tip to them. For sure. Um, yeah, let, let's move on here, Jared. Uh, Chelsea three leads to uh, two, not one, but two Jorginho penalties, including one at the death. Uh, do save Chelsea. Uh, a lot of penalties, by the way, Jared, this weekend. Um, and of course, inviting a lot of uh, controversy as well. Uh, and, and I was talking offline to a couple of the other traveling supporters and, and we were just like brainstorming. I'd, like we have to fix this. I'm just so tired of the controversial penalty trope. It is so boring to me. And I, I feel like we need to fix this thing. And I'll, I'll give out, maybe I'll spare you some of my thoughts uh, later if you like, but, but yeah, do you want to say something about the game, Jared? Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, to the broader point, I, I think a lot of this also comes back to the fact that uh, the Premier league has been uh, comparatively inefficient at dealing with VAR. Uh, and I think that a lot of the, the quote-unquote controversies that you're looking to avoid uh, happen when you have a very smooth replay system uh, to look at a lot of these things. And England has mm. not, which leads to, of course, this controversy. And then, of course, you know, we can, uh, you know, without being specific to this match, we can go uh, however long you want on handballs and 
probably not natural positions and whether feet in front of body parts, you know, at what point is it foul and not. So we'll spare that. But uh, yeah. nonetheless, at the end of the day, Chelsea gets a couple of calls and obviously including the one deep in stoppage time. Jorginho, uh, unlike his, you know, his efforts for Italy lately is absolutely ice cold uh, on this one. And, and Chelsea gets <laughs> right. a very much needed three points because again, they have not been playing all that well for a couple of weeks. Correct. I know we talked about it last week, right? About whether, you know, whether there's something going on with Tuchel and whether right now there is maybe something getting lost. And, and even though they get the three points here, um, I, I think there's a lot more smoke for that fire right now, right? Because uh, it, something's not right. This team that is, has been so absolutely stout defensively, all of a sudden it's not. Uh, yeah. Obviously, they're still scoring. But even in this game, again, it's two penalties. They're not scoring three goals from the run of play. Uh, they're still kind of playing what, you know, I don't really exactly know. Is Havertz kind of playing a nine or is Werner? Are they switching or like what's kind of going on here? It's like they kind of are trying to do what City does sometimes, except like not even close to as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of been tricky, a tricky spell for them. And it's really not the right time because you have all these games about to, to pile up. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. But yeah, they, they escape with the three points right there, uh, as do Liverpool against Aston Villa, obviously legendary uh, Stevie G with a super warm reception uh, back at Anfield. Uh, and yep, speaking of penalty kicks, a Mohamed Salah penalty wins the game one nil Liverpool. Yeah, as you said, penalties are the order of the day. I think Saturday, what, five matches? Uh, four of them had uh, the winning goal was from the spot. Uh, Salah okay. gets one. And, of course, as we know, he is certainly ice cold from, you know, in the veins in Liverpool. Uh, you know, almost in the opposite of Chelsea right now, doing uh, winning a lot of games one nothing right now. And uh, and for a team that I think we, we usually expect to see winning, you know, 3-1 and, and 3 nothing and 4 nothing, for them to be able to grind out some of these one nothing results, and especially in the title chase that's supposed to be so close. Uh, certainly no uh, – They'll take it. They'll move on. I think they'll they'll kind of wish with the amount of possession they had and the number of shots. And like Villa didn't really threaten whatsoever. So you probably wish you got you know a couple more goals there and be a little bit more comfortable. But uh, nonetheless, again, you, they were never going to lose this game. They were probably never even going to draw this game. So they get their three points and move on. And don't embarrass Stephen Gerrard the, uh, in the process. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, double bonus for sure. Uh, and, and Jared, real quick, so so can we just opine about these penalties? Uh, if I may, um, but, but yeah, my, my, my thought is just, it's like, we already give these referees so much discretion and the game is so subjective uh, as is. I mean, it's, it's literally written into the laws of the game that it's up to the referee to a judge whether a foul has been committed or not. And there's guidelines and just like every other sport, you know, there's subjectivity to it. So like, why don't we afford these officials that same subjectivity when it comes to calling fouls? inside of the box right so they get subjectivity and a foul everywhere else right why don't we afford it there like just amend the rules a little bit uh the laws of the game to say that if you know a referee calls a foul in the box he can go in one of two directions right and i, I hate to sound like I'm, I'm uh you know copying off of the guardian they published theirs i listened to their podcast this morning on my run and you know they said the exact same thing that i was thinking of but uh, you know I, i'm t- thinking about this on the weekend and everything so i'm not stealing it sorry guys uh but but the point is is like why can't you just go off one direction or the other and say, okay, yes, that was a foul, but was that foul worth like 0.8 of a goal, right? Is this worth a penalty shot? So like, you know, that one where the guy's just like, you know, the defense is set, the guy's got the ball inside the box and is like dribbling away from goal. There's no danger whatsoever. There's clearly not a scoring opportunity. And then, okay, yeah, the guy gets fouled or whatever, like at the top of the box. Like, is that really worth a penalty kick? Now, yeah, of course, in other scenarios where the guy is, I don't know, threw on a goal or he's winding up to take a shot and gets cleaned out. 
Of course, that was a goal scoring opportunity. And, and we have like added this denial of a goal scoring opportunity thing and blah, 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 all that. Why can't we just give the referees that subjectivity to be like, OK, yeah, that foul occurred in the box, but there was really no chance that you're going to score. So you get a free kick from the spot, call it indirect. I don't care, whatever. Right? But it does not need to be a penalty kick. Uh, yeah, I'm of two Rant minds over, this. by the way. <laughs> no, no, like I'm of two minds on this. I, I, I get the, I get your point. Uh, and maybe, you know, uh, I, I'm just thinking about like that 90th minute, like one, one game where like the ref calls a foul and like before he just like, you know, in that, in that second between like when the whistle blows and the ref makes the decision, that idea of like, is he going to give the penalty or is it going to be, uh, you know, is it going to be whatever you want to, whether it be a direct free kick or an indirect or however you want to, whatever the other option would be. Um, I just, I don't know. I I feel like that's just going to open up a different can of worms. Uh, It might solve one problem, but I'm not sure it doesn't create two more. You know, you have the guy like, you know, again, Yeah, there's no perfect solution, but I'd rather that can of worms this can of worms. I don't know. I just feel like adding that extra level of discretion as to what, like, what is the, what is the threshold? Is it how violent the foul is and how much of a scoring chance is? And then again, like, you know, when the guy clips a guy's heels in the penalty box, like, and he goes down, like he's, his leg's broken and we don't know if he's injured or just making a meal of it. It just seems like you're putting the ref in an even tougher position than he is already than the, than the somewhat black and white situation we're in now. Right, um, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and like, and I think that to some level, we already have what you're saying, which is where how many times do we see, you know, we hear the old, um, if it's a foul everywhere else on the field, it's a foul in the penalty box. But we know refs don't ref it that way. So like we know yeah. that that minor contact often is not called a penalty because for the reason that you just said, because the ref doesn't want to give 0.8 goals for that level of foul. So I'm almost wondering if the game inherently is already officiated that way versus those kind of fouls being whistled. And then the ref saying, well, it's a foul, but it's not a penalty. It's, it's this kind of free kick. And then the team that's fouled is absolutely losing their mind because why is, why was that one two weeks ago a penalty? And this one's only a free kick. And <laughs> right. you know, so I, I you know, I, I get your point. I just don't know that it, it necessarily makes anything better. It just it just deflects this problem into a new type of problem. And honestly, I'm not sure the refs would like it because I'm sure it probably may, would make their jobs even more difficult than they already are. Actually, yeah, the stress of having to like make that decision <laughs> like every time. Oh my god, yeah, you probably get a lot of. Uh, I mean, we're in the middle I, yeah, of a great, I just, great I don't resignation think... <laughs> right now. They might join them. Like I don't think like, and, and again when you're talking about your Monday podcast or whatever talking about the results of the week oh, I, I don't God, think yeah. you're hearing any less you're not hearing any less complaining about it right oh like how on earth you know in the in the Aston Villa Burnley game that was a penalty for that foul but in the Chelsea game it wasn't a, I, I don't know it just it seems like it would just it would just take this problem and just you know move it ten degrees to the right and say hey we don't have the same problem well I mean do you not yeah yeah no fair point uh well yeah we we can probably talk about that uh for hours uh we'll leave that at that though let's wrap up uh the premier league thank you for indulging me by the way jared i appreciate that because for me i'm just uh i'm just so bored it sucks no it it absolutely sucks sucks, but i think the other way it just it would just suck in a different way and you'd be like oh man this isn't like is this fucking any better yeah yeah fair play uh so to close up the premier league uh wolves nil city won nothing really much to say about this other than uh raul jimenez uh featured in my what is now becoming as you said usual segment of what the fuck was he thinking uh he wasn't um just absolute dumbass so funny to me uh yeah just check out uh the youtube clip uh jimenez fouls and you could probably argue whether that was a yellow card or not uh and we're not going to focus on that what we will focus on though is his reaction which is that after he does get booked the ensuing free kick 
you know, does the usual thing. He's milling about around the ball, trying, you know, the, the game is getting delayed and everything like players are want to do and do all the time. Uh, but like a fucking moron, after just being booked no less than 10 seconds earlier, the guy sticks his foot out. And of course, by the loss of the game and what the referee is going to do every single day of the week and twice on Sundays books you for that uh, uh, just petulance. Uh, and yeah, it's a second yellow in 10 seconds. Boom. Red card sent off. And as if the, the last thing you needed against Manchester city is to be down a man. Yeah, look, look, and Raul Jimenez is not an 18 year old player playing this. Uh, yeah. Like, like this is, it's, it's mindless. Uh, I, I mean, I think you said it all. I, I don't even know what to say to it. It is yeah. it's, it's immature. I would say in a way it is, it's yeah. bad, stupid. Uh, as you said, uh, when you're playing city away, you certainly don't need to give them any help uh, in that regard. And as you said, it's, it's a call that, you know, well, as you said, well, well, maybe the first one you could maybe argue whether it is or it's not, but it, it was given. And as soon as you get a yellow card in a game, whether you think it's a good call, bad call, easy call, whatever it is, as a player, you need to know, this is what I can no longer do. And if you're the kind of guy who gets called for persistent infringement, you know that the, any foul you commit could be the next one. You really have to be careful. And to do to get the kind of yellow card that is is completely avoidable, right? Time wasting, uh, putting a yeah. ball, you know, like that, uh, kicking a ball uh, into the crowd once it's gone out of play, throwing a ball at something. Like there's there's four or five things that are completely within your control. Uh, that there's there's no reason that you that you ever need to engage in that type of behavior. There's yep. nine other guys on the field that can eat that yellow card if you're really insistent. By the way, in the 45 plus two, the, the the whistle for halftime is going to go very even possibly as soon as the free kick is taken. Yeah, this exactly. Isn't, this isn't on the edge of the 18. This isn't uh you know your your team is it, it's the 30th minute or whatever and your team got caught out on a in transition and if you let the free you know, the quick free kick get taken it's going to be a goal or a, a two on one this is it's, it's just it's the time and the place uh you know and, and Raúl Jiménez is should know that he uh, Mexico can't do that. Oh, there you have it. Um, showing your true colors there. The U.S. coming through. Love it. Uh, but yeah, uh, l- let's go ahead and leave the Premier League there uh, because uh, actually we're going to touch on a couple other games in the segments. Uh, but yeah, we've spent enough time on that. Let's go to uh, the real league uh, that we really care about. Um, that is heating up. Uh, Syria, uh, Inter for Cagliari nil. Uh, they're the only ones taking care of business because everyone else uh, in that title chase uh, just screwed the pooch. Dropped points, uh, shocking results, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but Milan won, Udinese won, Zlatan rescues a point at the death. Uh, Juve draw 1-1 with fucking Venezia, right? Uh, shout out Buzio, American mega boner. Uh, and uh, Naples lose to Empoli, 1-0. Uh, so yeah, we kind of cursed them, by the way, or I cursed them, I guess, pretty much. Sorry, uh, Napoli fans. Uh, but, but yeah, no, Inter get the job done and everyone else kind of shits the bed. Yeah, that Napoli lost, by the way, at home on top of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, you you obviously did drink Napoli. They're actually all the way down in fourth now, having been in the lead uh, not that long ago. Uh, by the way, Empoli, as is, 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 is I think I mentioned once or twice, is, is kind of becoming the feel-good story here. Again, this is a promoted side that is now currently sitting in seventh place, one point ahead of Roma and Lazio. Uh, so an absolutely uh, great job by them and a fantastic result here, but – Again, this is so good right now as a league. The matches are exciting. They're they're unpredictable as you just kind of uh, you just kind of laid out there. Now we have Inter in the lead, where it was Napoli, and then so and so, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, the other Milan side only a point back. Atalanta now up into uh, third place with their decent, actually pretty good result, two one on the road at Hellas Verona. And so 
Uh, and now Napoli, as you said, back down to, you know, dead with a little bad run down in fourth with 36 points. So again, four teams, four points. And again, like, look, Juventus keeps struggling. And, and of course, it's another game where they should have gotten three points and they did not. But, you know, again, they're, because these teams keep kind of dropping points right now, if Juventus can win two, three games in a row and then a couple of these matches, you know, the other teams are playing keep going back, we can really actually see maybe another team get thrown into this mix. I wouldn't bet on it, but it's, it's possible. And again, very exciting, unpredictable, and, and not traditionally Italian at all. Again, these games are having goals and, you know, four here and a couple goals in this game and three goals in this game. And they're not just yeah. one nothings anymore like we're used to. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a musical chairs all the way to the finish. Uh, and I'm thinking of uh, what do you do for golden balls? That sort of like live chart of like the standings as they progress per match day. Like that'll be great to see for this one. No, yeah. I mean, it's, it's jumping around right now. And again, even in the mid table, you're seeing a lot of jumping up and down. There's not been a ton of consistency, which again, makes, I think, for a very en- entertaining and interesting situation where at any given point, you can be in 13th and you can be in 7th and you can be in 11th. And even at yeah. that level, teams are just jumping and bouncing around. And, and I think that when you when you can sit down to watch a game with two decent teams and you and you ultimately really don't know what's going to happen of course i think that just adds to the enjoyment yep 100 percent uh great stuff there again we're going to keep our eyes peeled on siri uh anything else uh, jared any other uh, fixtures in that one uh no i mean i kind of briefly would at the atlanta match again on the road i should just say that uh, giovanni Simeone has scored again for hellas verona the dude is just on absolute fire now going on about like a month at this point, and he's just he's scoring for fun uh, and having. I guess he's taking again. Uh, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times. He seems to be having a lot more success overall than his uh, his father currently is enjoying. Yeah, sorry, who was that? I missed the name. Uh, Gio Simeone. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, and that's just cool when a player's on form like that, man. It's just like it's just nice to watch, man. They're just you know in the zone, whatever you want to call it. But uh, it's just cool to see players in form like that. All right, uh, moving on to La Liga. Uh, I had two results here. Obviously, Real Madrid win the derby against Atletico two nil. Kareem Benzema doing his thing, uh, and then LOL uh, Barca two Osasuna two. Uh, and yeah, like we've you know like we texted offline and like we've said here on the pod, it's like this doesn't really surprise us anymore. Like should Barca be getting these results? It's like, yeah, we know they need to, but like, they just don't have the team to get it done. Uh, and they draw a mid table side. Yeah. I, I do. Of, want to of which Bar- they are one themselves. Probably. I, I do have a lot to say about Barca. I do want to quickly say uh, just on a, you know, you mentioned the Madrid Derby, uh, Real sure. comfortable in this one. Uh, and again, as we talked about how great Italy has been lately, uh, this La Liga race is, is quickly becoming uh, very, very one-sided and not all that mm. interesting. Uh, I do want to also point out that the uh, match of the the match day, the game of the match day, I should say, probably Espanol four, Levante three. Uh, mm. Espanol actually down three two uh, with thirty minutes to go and get a couple goals. It just again, just in terms of the random game that nobody is watching, but if you watch the highlights, you have a, a lot of fun with and a lot of goals. No, there. I, I looked at the timeline on this one, so like Espanol one yeah. <laughs> nil, then one one, then two one Levante, then two two, then. Uh, 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 three two Levante and then Espanol with two goals in the span of 15 minutes <laughs> plus yeah, a right. red card in there that's hilarious. yeah so again just again if you're your random game that you would never expect to be any good that turns yeah. out being the one that excites you that was that one so Barcelona um I, I, <laughs> go off no, so I was listening to a podcast uh, from later last week about you know it was after the Champions League it was actually before this match but I was just talking about how you know uh, they talked about the finances right again we talked a, a million times about that and how Barcelona might be pulling a Leeds. And of course, Leeds, as we know, you know, 15, 20 years ago was one of the top maybe five or six teams in the Premier League. And of course, had was, you know, absolutely destroyed themselves financially. And, and of course, spent quite a bit of time 
down in, in the lower levels. Now, obviously, I don't think that's going to happen to Barcelona. And, of course, Barcelona in Spain is a much bigger deal than Leeds in England. But I, I think that we've talked about this, I don't want to say incorrectly, but I, I think an angle that maybe we haven't taken, and I haven't heard taken as much as, as, of course, the obvious, like, what is the problem here is, is we know that they're not very good, and we keep waiting for them to rebound. We keep waiting for the, for the light to flick. And, and it was, was it going to be Xavi that got the light, to, the light switch to go up? Right. Um, but what I really want to know is, is ultimately, where do we like what is going to be the bottom for this Barcelona team? Like, how far down are they actually going to go? What is going to be their rock bottom? Are they are they going to be relegated? Like, I don't think so. But I mean, is it really off the table? Like, not this year, even. But like, where, like, uh, at what position in the table do you think they're going to bottom out at? Right now, they're sitting in eighth. Yeah. Uh, with a game in hand on a couple of teams. But, like, I, I really am interested to think about, like, are they going to finish, like, 13th in La Liga? Are they going to finish 14th? Are they going to be actually dancing it, whether it be this year or even in next year, if they can't fix the finances? And, by the way, to your point last week about the they need to reach the Europa League final to not have a cataclysmic, like, financial situation, and then they draw Napoli. Like, yep. they're not going to be any in, in any better financial situation overall next year. Like, where is this actually going to end for them? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know me, I'm not much of a predictor, but I, but I am looking at, you know, the table right now. And you right, they're sitting in eighth with 24 points, but you've got your Espanyols who can nick results. You've got Phil Bow who aren't terrible. Uh, and fucking hell, Villarreal sitting in 13th place. So these are all teams that can, like, turn it around or go on a run or finish ahead of them. And I, I'm with you, man. I mean, they could finish, Barca could finish mid-table, 12th, 13th. Who fucking knows? And this, again, all on the backs of you could very well see it. In fact, I would probably predict them to lose to Naples in that Europa League. Exactly. And, 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 and yeah, I mean, at that, that's got to be rock bottom right there. I just don't know how farther you could go, except getting relegated. And I'm with you. I mean, that's, that's a super long shot for them to get relegated. But, but, yeah, I think they're going to go as low as they're going to go, pretty much. So you think maybe like that 12th or 13th is about as low as it'll get? I think so. I think they'll lose okay. to Naples and finish like 12th or 13th, dude. And that's going to be like, yeah, we will look back like in the history books uh, at this year and there'll be case studies done on it. Uh, and again, yeah, we've talked about it many times. Uh, you know, we, there's a million different angles that go into the uh, uh, the situation that is Barca at this moment. Um, but But yeah, I don't think they've actually reached their nadir, if that makes sense. No, and I think I'm with you. And I, and I and I was I really had this like thought in my head. I was like, like how bad is this going to get? Like it's not. I don't yeah. think it is either. I think like and like and what you have right now is you have a lot. Of, again, they're playing a lot of young guys. Um, I'd like to. I love to point out that on the uh, the ESPN formation thing, it says they played a three 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 one. I don't really know that I would call it that or how kind of it looked in practice, but it was just fascinating to even see it, even that. Uh, but right. like, yeah, as you said, like. I don't know if it's the bottom, but at least like they're playing a lot of these young guys and, and these guys are getting, you know, and hopefully it pays off in the long term. But man, like it just, it just doesn't, it seems like it could be worse in a weird way, even though it's yeah. as bad as we've seen it. I don't know. It's, it's bizarre, but it's, I think it's kind of worth thinking about because I think that's the, the real the philosophical question we now need to ask ourselves and not, Hey, when are they going to turn this around? 
Yeah, hundred percent. Poor Javi. And like, what would he do at that at that time? Would he, I mean, he can't possibly just like cut bait and be like, uh, you know what? Actually, I didn't know what I was getting into. See you guys. Like, he, he has by taking that job. He again, he has the yeah, longest no, has leash to. of all time. But he has to stick with them through thick and thin at this point. So it, it look, it's going to get a lot darker before, a lot worse before it gets better. Let's just say that. By the way, hats off. Umtiti gets a start in this one. I thought that was worth pointing out because I know we mentioned him a couple weeks ago. Yes, sir. The handball. Be rare. Uh, Be rare. I'm titty start. Love it, man. Love it. Uh, yeah. Anyone else? Anyone jumping on a sports car as well? Uh, I did not see any any attacking uh, any attacks on the players yet, but it's it's still early in the week. Yes, it is. It is, and people have no idea how to behave anymore. So I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, anything else, Jared, in La Liga? No. Again, as we talked about, it, it hasn't been the most exciting, uh, you know, kind of race right now. Uh, and as I said, that 4-3 game was kind of the, the most uh, one that kind of, you know, oh, you got to watch the highlights of that one. That was the game of the weekend for that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Real Madrid probably going to win this thing at a canter, as we've said. Uh, yeah, Sevilla in second. Real Betis in third. Atletico Madrid fourth. Real Sociedad still in there. Rayova. Like, these are just, you know, names that you never would have. It, it just used to be Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Barca, and then, like, everyone else was having fun. Yeah, and that's like you know, Sevilla. It's, it's Sevilla, Valencia, and Villarreal fighting for fourth, like, every year. It, exactly. Yeah, no, it's totally, totally different. All right. Um, yeah, let's move on to uh, – this is the Jared Wheelhouse, so there, there will be a little bit of the pain block element. Sorry, Jared, you brought this upon yourself by introducing MLS to the podcast. Uh, but, yeah, why don't you uh, get – you know, uh, actually, what, do you want to just get it, get it out of the way here, Jared? Maybe start with the MLS here, and then we can finish with the Bundesliga. Yeah, I, um, well, as you well know, uh, on Saturday, I was in a car from about 9 o'clock in the morning to about 1 o'clock in the morning, driving from Florida to New Jersey. So as far as I'm concerned, there actually wasn't an MLS match to have. Ah, uh, okay. It's, uh, all right, no, but in seriously, uh, yeah, New York City <laughs> FC claims its first MLS Cup in penalties uh, in a, in a actually, a, a, like, again, a wild match. And, and, you know, not to pat myself on the back too much, but I did say before the MLS playoffs that, Look, is this the greatest uh, level of soccer ever? No, of course not. But it's damn exciting. And and from game one in the playoffs, which, again, was a ripping of my heart out with, the, with that Philly Union Red Bulls match, 122nd minute winner or whatever, right through to the end, right, where we have MLS Cup final. Uh, New York City gets on the board in the sec- early in the second half. They or, I'm sorry, late in the first half, I should say. I have that one nothing lead. And uh, and they hold it until literally the last second of stoppage time. And Moore mm. gets a goal for Portland to tie it up, literally with the last kick of regulation. Uh, City felt actually particularly aggrieved on that call because there could have been a foul called in the lead up. Uh, you know, and, and I think we'd probably be talking a lot more about that should City, uh, if City did not win. Uh, but they go to penalties. Sean Johnson, uh, again, for the second time in the playoffs, uh, you know, comes up big. And uh, City, again, calculated from the penalty spot, doing what they had to do to win. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it, it hurts. It hurts a lot as being, of course, uh, a fan of the original New York MLS team that they get to come mm. in, you know, obviously years and years and years later and get one. But uh, look, they, they did what they had to do. They beat the best regular season team in history. Uh, you know, they beat Philly again. Uh, you can asterisk that all you want, but they still had to go do it. And again, winning at Portland is, is not easy to do. Uh, obviously, you know, as well as I do, that that's a great crowd. It's a, it's a tough place yeah. to play. Portland has been a very good team. And so, yeah, yeah, I guess uh, I reluctantly have to do, I guess, a little bit of the, the tip of the hat for them to get the win. And, uh, yeah, and we'll, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that because I'm just now I'm just getting angry. Yeah, how courageous and brave of you, Jared. Clapping up your, your bitter, bitter rivals. Uh, but, yeah, good on you. No, appreciate the recap. I wasn't able to watch it uh, either. 
uh, was coaching all day. And also uh, just to kind of bring it back, uh, appreciate everyone who, who reached out and all the, the kind words and everything. Uh, but yes, we had a nice memorial service this past Saturday uh, for Amos Mobadin. Uh, just got to see so, so many uh, people blast from the past, uh, from my time at DeMatha, my time in the soccer community. Uh, and yeah, I just wanted to give one one final shout uh, for my boy, Amos. Um, so that one's for you, buddy. But yeah, obviously uh, missed it as well. Uh, Jared just saw the alerts, saw the text coming in. Uh, and yeah, it looks like New York City, they're on their way up, uh, especially with, <laughs> in, in, uh, did I hear pep rumors to NYCFC in 2023? Yeah, well, well, like, forget <laughs> to be a party about this. No, like, like yeah. <laughs> They fucking play in a baseball. Like you really think, like Pep Guardiola. Yeah. For any fact that Pep Guardiola, like whether he actually wants to manage in the U.S. or not, do you really think he wants to do it on a field that's like as wide as my couch? Like, is that really something with his possession style that he really wants? Maybe if New York City can build a fucking stadium, then we can talk about them getting like like an actual like a European star manager out of that city system. But I think as long as they're playing in Yankee Stadium, I can feel comfortable in saying that Pep probably wants no part of that. Yeah, I just like getting you wound up about NYCFC. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> there you have it, Jared. Good. We got it out of the way. That is it for MLS. Uh, we obviously won't have to talk about them for a few more uh, for some months. Uh, although, is MLS is back? Is that tournament happening again, Jared? Uh, I don't I don't believe so. I think that uh, okay. especially this season. Well, especially if it does happen sometime in the future. Uh, it will not be this year again. Uh, we're looking at a, a particularly short MOS uh, offseason this year. They're starting right. a couple weeks earlier than normal. Again, this is all knock-on for the uh, the World Cup next year. So, uh, you believe it or not, I think actually MOS, the MOS season starts maybe in like two months and a few days. It's like mid-February. So Yeah, that's uh, why I was hesitating on, on the timeline because I was like, I, I'm pretty sure I heard about all that. And obviously, we all know about the World Cup next year. So, right. So, it's it's a pretty quick turnaround for MLS. Yeah, especially for the teams that uh, that just obviously that just finished again. Their the last game was December the 11th. Uh, I believe the first game is uh, February 26th. Uh, so again, we will literally have about eight nine weeks. And again, when you talk about preseason starting about a month before your season starts, five weeks something like that, it really will be. Um, I think right after the international break in January is when I think most of these teams are going to start convening in camps around you know in the you know kind of baseball style spring training in Florida and Arizona and and, and so on and getting ready for that. And then they will be uh, starting pretty soon. So if you are, if you kind of caught the MLS bug at all uh, in the playoffs, uh, you only have to wait about 10 weeks to, to get your fix again. Okay. There you have it. Uh, and right. Let's finish up the domestic roundup with your wheelhouse, the Bundesliga. Um, I highlighted a couple uh, results. Why don't we start it off on a fun note? Uh, Union Berlin nil first one. They got their first win. The, the diabolically terrible worst team all across uh, Europe. Um, and, and I mean, yeah, obviously Firth listened to this podcast and used it as bulletin board material. Yeah, a, a bit of a surprising, I don't want to say surprising result. That's, that's a little unfair. They're at home against a team that uh, throughout this season has, has certainly not been fantastic. I think you, I mean, I guess, they're in six. I guess they're having a pretty good season, but yeah, no, they're uh, doing well. they, they, they stole one. Uh, let's be fair. They, like, they had 37% possession. They only had three shots on target, but they got the goal. And, and look, uh, that's, that's all that is going to matter to them. Uh, they finally got off the schneid book. They're nowhere close to getting out of their relegation zone. They are going to be relegated. That is uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, but again, for one day at least, the fans can go crazy. Uh, you know, the team can go crazy. They, they yeah. uh, There's not much else to say about it. Uh, but yeah. it was this good, your right? classic case of uh, even a blind squirrel finding a nut every now and again? You know, broken clock right twice a day. 
Yeah, I, I think when we look at the uh, the end of the season standings, I think we're going to look at, you know, first with what, one, two, maybe three wins or whatever. And so, yeah, they got one of the three. Uh, yeah, and you really, I mean, honestly, you never want to see a team go winless in the league. Uh, it just, it, it, it just, you don't like, I, I don't take particular joy in that. I, it's different in American sports, I feel like. But like, look, you know, Firth is never going to compete in this league in the long run. So you really don't want to see him go winless. So, hey, pop the champagne. Yeah, there you have it. Uh, and something I don't really feel that great about, uh, which is that Leipzig keep getting results after Jesse Marsh uh, obviously got the sack and everyone's going to, you know, I mean, the new manager bump is real. Obviously, it's it's mostly because of that. But everyone's going to be like, well, look, there you go. Uh, Leipzig are winning now. But yeah, Leipzig for Mönchengladbach. One quick word on that, Jared. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, Mönchengladbach is, is on a real, real spiral right now. And, and so I think right now they are the team that you kind of want to almost play uh, to kind of try and get your mind right. Uh, they're actually down in 13th now on the table, but they've lost their last game to two matches by like nine Two goals. points off the draw. Uh, yeah, and and also I should say, um, you know, again, it's a little bit misleading as a scoreline. Leipzig actually got two goals in stoppage time to, to salt it away, and Cuckoo with yet another one in high race as well. So, again, it, it is 4-1, and they were the better team clearly and, and deserved the three points. But, you know, I don't think it was necessarily a, uh, a 4-1 uh, type of match it, it, when it actually plays out. All righty. Uh, and Mainz one, Bayern Munich two. I mean, it, are, are they just like getting bored at this point and just like spotting other teams goals? You know, it's like, you know, playing Michael Jordan one-on-one and be like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll spot you like six, play to 11. Uh, Mainz has been a little frisky. So, you know, it's not a total surprise. I think it was more of a surprise to me how long it took Bayern to kind of respond. But again, typical Bayern, 65% possession, huge shot advantage. And, uh, oh, by the way, with Dortmund only scraping a draw against uh, Bochum, who, again, is a, uh, a mid-table side. Um, what once was a one-point race is all very quickly a six-point race. And, again, as we tend to say quite a few times this season, this one seems like it's, it's, it's well done and dusted. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, anything else real quick on the Bundesliga or leave it at that? I, I, no, I do have to give you that one American mega boner. TSG Hoffenheim mm. up to fourth place. After a big 2-1 win against Freiburg, who, by the way, they just jumped into standings for fourth place. So this was a big one. And uh, a 94th minute headed winner by none other than Chris Richards, American center back, getting on the score sheet. He's a guy who actually has not been in the lineup a lot lately. They've actually been playing with a three back and he hasn't even been starting a lot of those games. Coming in as a sub very often, but this time he gets the start uh, in defense, kind of like the left side of a three-man back, you know, three center backs. And, uh, and pays off, uh, pays his manager back again with a stoppage time Thunderbolt hitter to get three big points for Hoffenheim. Again, this is a team that is going to compete for a Champions League spot this year right now, especially if, if Leipzig, you know, continues to kind of tread a little bit of water. Obviously, Wolfsburg's been been in some trouble and so is Gladbach. So right, right. now, you know, I think Leverkusen is, is going to be a top four team along with Dortmund and Munich and Hoffenheim and Freiburg and, and Leipzig probably as well. And maybe Union Berlin can hang around, but Hoffenheim has a really good shot right now to be a top four team. And this is kind of, you know, when you look back at the season, you go, where were those results that we got that really saved us? This might be one of them. Yeah, no, love it, man. American mega boner. Uh, and yeah, 90th minute plus four. Uh, and by the way, I, like, I, first of all, I'm seeing, we're seeing so many of these just like late goals at the death, like last kick of the game type of things. And then also what this kind of reminds me of uh, is uh, trying to find those records for like the uh, biggest time between first and, and last goal, right? Because Hoppenheim scored in the third minute and now they get one with, you know, pretty much the last uh, header of the game. Um, this is, I mean, uh, yeah, 80, 80 some odd minutes plus. What, what is the record anyway? Like what's the earliest goal and then the latest goal? 
Oh, fine. I would have no idea. As you said, I wouldn't even know how to begin to look that up. <laughs> yeah, we, we, uh, got, we got to go into the archives for that one of these days. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah. obviously, obviously, most practically speaking, it's, it's something involving like you, I, I assume you mean in a 90 minute match and not somebody scoring in the 122nd minute. Uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, someone I, I scored like, you know, off the kickoff and then with like the last kick of the game type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I know that a couple times this year, I've seen goals as late as like the ninety plus nine or ninety plus ten, where you know you already have that much stoppage time. Uh, that said, I, I obviously I don't know if those goals featured you know anything early on either. So it's it's just tough to say. But uh, yeah, this one, uh, this one that isn't that what ninety one minutes essentially. Uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, so yeah, let's let's actually leave it at that. There, we spent a lot of time on the domestic leagues and we actually have a ton of segments here uh so we might have to do a little bit of a lightning round situation here um but yeah your first segment let's bring it back to the premier league how we feel about being arsenal and newcastle supporters today uh yeah just to round out the premier league pretty much uh yeah for me as an arsenal supporter it's like great three no win against the saints uh we're just seeing this again tons of improvement under arteta but we just like we just keep getting waxed by like the best team. So like, yeah, sure. We're taking care of business in these other games for the most part, Um, you know, except for Everton. Oh God. uh, Still reeling from that one. Uh, But, but yeah, we just, I don't know, progress, but still just losing four nil to Liverpool, et cetera, you know, giving up a, a late goal to Manchester United to blow that result, all that stuff. So I'm, you know, we're a little bit worried by that. The, the biggest thing for me out of that um, out of that camp, obviously, is the uh, the Obama Yang news. Uh, his second disciplinary infraction. Um, the bottom line is, and, and we don't have to go into it, Jared. But and everyone's trying to like defend him. I, I hear people that are like, "Well, it's a little bit more complicated." It's like, no, Arsenal gave you the permission to travel to France to get your mom and come back, and you had to come back by a certain time. You didn't come back by a certain time. And there were no complications. There was nothing with the travel. There were no delays that were out of your control. You were just late and you broke the rule. And guess what? When you break the rule, that's what happens. And here we are yet again with captaincy issues here uh, with Arsenal. It's just an absolute joke. This guy is supposed to be the exemplar of the team. He's he's the one who's supposed to be going above and beyond, getting held to higher standards. uh, And the dude just, you know, shows up whenever he wants uh, and by all accounts, yeah, he's a great personality with the players, but he's not like a role model. That is for sure. Uh, and yeah, this one's really infuriating me. And of course, uh, invoking uh, PTSD from the Mesut Ozil situation. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about being an Arsenal supporter today. I think this is exactly what you get when you don't name Granite, when you don't have Granite Xhaka. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I know. He came back and I thought, you know, maybe Arteta would hand the, the you know, the armband back to him from one shitty role model to another. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Uh, that's how I feel about being an Arsenal supporter. How about uh, briefly, Cap- briefly enough, briefly enough, who would you name captain of Arsenal if you had the choice like tomorrow? Like of a guy who, who relatively speaking, plays, you know most of the yeah it's, it's it's a great question obviously not one of those two uh, for fuck's <laughs> sake but um i i just don't know you don't see this a captain is 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 the guy that does the behind the scenes stuff you could never possibly know as an outside observer who is captain material within a side like you could see like a leader on the pitch you could see the best player and all that stuff you know on tv uh and a guy who gives a good interview but it's really that nitty-gritty behind the scenes stuff um, so I couldn't possibly know, uh, although I have to imagine there are better candidates than those two. But like at the same time, like to push back a little bit, like I think with a lot of teams, even though we don't see the behind the scenes, like it's it seems like obvious. And like just even you know, like the U.S. national team, for example, like, like it's obvious that Tyler Adams is like that guy. 
like we don't need to actually necessarily see what happens in the locker room like we just kind of know it and like you know in the days that like in the in the great barcelona like when you know under pep like they always had like four or five guys that you just know behind the scenes were like you know you can know it could be xavi it could be iniesta it could be like any of these guys and like i just look at arsenal and like i don't even like i don't know there just doesn't seem to be that guy where i can even like as you said like when that when they have to if if someone if they have to have the you know, like the players only meeting, right? Like who's calling that? Like, mm, I can't even look at, yeah. like just even looking at the temperament of the players and, and whatever, like, like, and a lot of the guys who are really good and, and like promising, like they're obviously super young. And, and does that mean that, you know, obviously you can have a younger captain, but like, is it the guy like Odegaard? Like, I just, it, it's, it just doesn't, it's just weird to me that there's not like that one guy, even on the team where you just like, you go like that guy just like screams like that, that guy. And it's just, it's very bizarre. Uh, yeah, no, and, and that's a great point. And, and sure, yeah, there are some scenarios where even as an outside observer, you can just see who the leader is, but, but Arsenal just doesn't have that. Uh, and so, yeah, may, yeah, maybe that's what Arteta has done is just gone with like, like what did Churchill say about democracy? It's like the least worst type of government, you know, he it, it basically, you know, Jaka or Obama Yang when Jaka was gone were like the least worst of the captain material. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe that he just doesn't really have much of a choice. Maybe there are no natural captains on that team. And that, that's a tough position to be in because you need that guy. You need him. Yeah. I don't know. But any, yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. But no, good. Good shout, Jared. Uh, let's let's take the spotlight off of me and uh, put it on to you. Uh, how do you feel about being a Newcastle supporter today? 53 percent possession on the road. A legendary. Legend. Oh wait, four nothing. Oh shit. Uh, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> Small bit. Yeah, we got yeah, the majority of the possession. Okay. Hey, look. You know what? A lot of say what you want about everything else. Under uh, under the old man in charge, Steve Bruce. I don't remember Newcastle having fifty three percent possession at home against you know like Rotherham in the FA Cup. So uh, no, obviously like they got killed and and whatever. They're not good. We we know this. Uh, but I don't know. I, there's nothing to really. To me, there's nothing to take from it. They're not good. And again, like we can go round and round. Are they going to get relegated? Can he save them? Like they're not good. And I think it, this is exemplified by playing a Western team who is who's not been great uh, as of late. And yet they looked like the best team in the world for ninety minutes. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and you're seeing tons of these results, like we talked about with Norwich a couple of weeks back, right? Like that's a team that you would love to play to get back on form. And then they do the red card in the first ten minutes. Here's a Leicester team that, like Brennan Rodgers, losing the locker room. They just haven't been in really good form. And that's a team that you'd want to play to get back on track. Oh, wait, 4 0. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's fucking brutal, Jared. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, as, uh, I think the biggest problem Newcastle has, besides the fact that they have their next matches uh, this, you know, during the midweeks at Banfield, is that uh, the problem is that the team you really want to play to get back on track is Newcastle. And since they don't get to play themselves, it really makes it hard for them to <laughs> kind of go on any kind of, uh, you know, uh, run that, of any note. Yeah, exactly. Can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Uh, yes. And yeah, it might, it, it might only get, might only get worse. Well, that's how we feel about being Arsenal and Newcastle supporters uh, today. Uh, again, we're going to try and go lightning round here. Uh, your second segment is a segment that we haven't had uh, in a while, but it is getting to be that time, Jared. Uh, and yes, uh, is the Harry Kane story going to rear its ugly head again? Are we going to have to talk about all those things uh, yet again? Uh, but the only one I really want to highlight here is, uh, and I alluded to it earlier on this pod, uh, but Christian Pulisic to Barcelona, perhaps, in the January window, which would be weird. <laughs> First of all, this is stupid. Second yeah. <laughs> of all, this is stupid. Third yeah. of all, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. Barcelona cannot afford to, like, buy two sticks to create fire right now. And they're going to pay – how much money is this for a player? And, and by the way, 
the only way you're getting a player like this off a big club is if the other club has some sort of financial difficulty where you're going to get him on the cheap. And for whatever you want to say about Chelsea's depth, et cetera, et cetera, Chelsea doesn't need the money. Chelsea is more than happy to keep guys like this on their team, on their bench, whatever, right. and play them whatever they play. They have no need to sell. So unless you meet the valuation that Chelsea has set for the player, and I'm guessing Chelsea doesn't want to take any kind of loss on the player, you are going mm. to pay, what, what was it, 50-something million He's 50-something mil, yeah. Yep. So Barcelona cannot afford that. And if they could afford that, I, and as much as, look, I love Pulisic, American bag about it, whatever, I don't know that that's the player you need to buy. You need, like, I don't know, a center back or, like, a defensive midfielder to replace Busquets. You have Ansu Fati. You have a couple of these young guys at that position that are good. You're starting these young guns at the winger that are actually playing decently enough. You don't need a winger, and you don't need to spend $50 million. You don't have on one. I don't see how this is real. I don't, I don't understand where this came from. I, it, does, it, makes, it makes so little sense that I just can't possibly even imagine how it's real. Yeah, probably not. Probably started by, you know, like we've said, one of those Twitter users with an egg as their icon and like, you know, zero followers and just someone retweeted that and then, but um, but um, you know how it happens. So yeah, we should change the name of the segment from here we goes uh, or rumors or fucking stupid rumors, Jared. And this would fall under fucking stupid rumors. I, I like, honestly, like, look, like I never say never in this, like, right? Because a team that's dumb enough to have done everything they've done to get to this point could somehow be dumb enough to find a way to pay money they don't have for this player. But again, I just, I... I, like I, it would, I wouldn't even know what to say. I would if it actually ever happened. <laughs> I would get on the show and you would say, "Hey, people listen to Barcelona," and there would be five minutes of silence because I just truly would not know what to say. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, let's let's see if anything comes of it. I'm with you, probably not. Uh, but yeah, just had to make a shout for our boy. Uh, and yeah, that, that's that. Well, once things start heating up a little bit and, you know, Fabrizio starts uh, tweeting, then, then yeah, we'll, we'll dive more into the transfer stuff. Uh, but let's leave that one at that. Uh, next segment here, Jared. Now that's a name I haven't heard in a while featuring Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, yeah, I'll go first, actually. A uh, couple of fun ones. And Jared, I'm so glad you started this segment uh, because now it's like one of those things where you like weren't paying attention to it before, but like now that it's a thing, like we actually do, you, you start to notice it. Uh, I have not one, but two. Um, Aaron Lennon uh, came on for Burnley in the 89th minute this weekend. And Nathaniel Klein uh, came on for Crystal Palace in the 91st minute, uh, which in and of itself is hilarious. Just these like old washed up has-beens, names that we haven't heard in forever, coming on as basically just like the pity, you know, PT at the the, the trash time at the end or garbage time. Um, So, yeah, those were hilarious. Aaron Lennon and Nathaniel Klein. Holy shit. Yeah, Aaron Lennon, like, fuck, man. He's, to me, (laughs) he's he's 34, like, but... I don't know. For some reason, I feel like he's like 50. Like, yeah. I, I just feel like he's like, even like when he like first got capped by England, I guess because he got capped so young, uh, I guess we just think of him as being older than he probably is. But I didn't yeah. realize he was actually in, in Turkey for a season uh, playing at Kayserispor uh, before now coming back to the Premier League. Uh, and that was one. And then Klein, I like he's only 30. And like, again, like I know he's been around a long time. So it, it obviously seems like he's older than he is or, you know, than he actually is. But uh I guess he's been in the Premier League this entire time, whether he's been playing a lot, uh, another matter entirely, but he has been in the Premier League nonstop since 2012. So there you go. It's incredible, man. Yeah, like it, it harkens to to that idea that like they, they start so young and you've been hearing about them for so long. You're like, I cannot believe he's at all. Like as an Arsenal fan with like Theo Walcott, for God's sakes, the guy's still only 32. It's incredible. What did he get his debut at? Like 16 or something like that? Yeah, pretty much, so, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, well, Jared, what's the name that you haven't heard in a while? Uh, 
so here's one again was not a big deal in England for very long. Only spent like a couple years there. Didn't play very long, but just got a couple of caps at once upon a time. Uh, Ricky Van Wolfswinkel, uh, the, the Dutch striker <laughs> who uh, again came up through uh, in, in, in Belgium, uh, played a little bit at Norwich, went to Real Batiste, got a cup of coffee in the Netherlands. And of course, you know, you don't remember the name because he was like some great player for some amount of time. But other than the fact that obviously like the name uh, kind of probably uh, exaggerated his effect maybe on the game. And uh, he actually scored over the weekend for FC 20 uh, back in Belgium. And again, I was, I was just was like, that's a name I, I have not heard. Uh, I said FC in the Belgium. I meant the Netherlands, of course. Uh, but yeah, he has played in the Netherlands. He has played in Portugal. He has played in England. He has played in France. He has played in Spain. And he has played in Switzerland. And he is currently back in, uh, after being in Basel for about four or five years, is finally actually back in the Netherlands. And, and again, I probably haven't heard that name since he was at Norwich in like 2016. Yes, that is also a name that I have not heard in a while. Nice, Jared. Good stuff, man. All right, um, that'll do it for that segment. Uh, a couple more here. For, uh, let's also give our last uh, random college soccer shout of the season uh, because, as we mentioned, the College Cup was this weekend. The final was played uh, yesterday. So I guess uh, keeping it in the ACC, congrats to your 2021 champions, uh, Clemson winners over Washington. Uh, basically, they scored in the first 30 seconds and never looked back. Uh, I don't know if you watched this, Jared, or saw the highlights or anything, but just absolute howler from the Washington goalkeeper, the poor guy. I mean, just like basically off the kickoff, you know, uh, Washington plays it in. The Clemson defender just, you know, bombs it, clears it out, uh, and the Washington keeper just totally misses it. Clemson forward right there, tap it in, boom. You've dug yourself a one no hole in the first 30 seconds. Yeah, and again, Isaiah Reed got that goal, and then he scores again pretty much in the first 15 minutes. And again, from there, it's it's – it's very tough for Washington to get back in the game. Uh, you know, again, these, the, the only thing I would say that kind of sucks about this whole college soccer experience, as much as we love it, is that, again, you have the eight seed playing the two seed. And by all accounts, the, you know, the eight seed pretty much has home field advantage. Uh, Carry North Carolina slightly closer to Clemson than it is to, uh, to, <laughs> right. to Washington State. Uh, but look, nonetheless, you know, Clemson had to do a lot to get here. They've had to beat quite a few good teams. Uh, they've had to win twice in penalty kicks against two of the top, you know, four teams in the country and then beating the top two teams. You, look, you beat number one, you beat number four, you beat number two. Uh, no one can say you didn't deserve it. And so uh, they did everything that they had to do. They played the, the, the highest seed they could every single round and, and did what they had to do. And uh, good for the ACC. Uh, I don't particularly care for Clemson as a whole. So that, you know, I don't feel great necessarily for them, but they, again, they certainly deserve it. Yeah, it kind of sucks in, in that way, just like your your blue bloods. Not that they're – well, they are kind of a soccer blue blood at this point, I guess. But all I'm saying is, you know, I wanted to see the disruptors. I wanted to see the Pac-12, you know, make more waves. Oregon State obviously losing to them in the, in the semifinal. Washington absolutely blowing it in the final. And then uh, your Georgetown, unfortunately uh, – sorry, Jared, but you did not win the Mad Dog 2020 in the live from Ludwig uh, bracket. Uh, and, again, shout-out to Adam Kubark for running that. Uh, but, yeah, you know, all right, props. Congrats, Clemson 2021 champions. Anything else to say on that, Jared? Thanks, so, no. Yeah, all right. That'll do it. Um, and let's go ahead and wrap it up with the tried and true own goal of the day. Uh, Jared is your gracious host. I'll allow you to go first. Yeah, mine is going to uh, actually stem from my, my uh, stoppage time winner in last show. We talked about Sam Kerr. Uh, the, the dude who, uh, who, who, who ran on the field uh, was not actually charged with a crime. And that is because the crime for running onto a field, as is written in English law, somehow it does not cover women's soccer matches. It only covers oh, men's Jesus. soccer matches. Uh, so, yeah, if you were worried about our daily dose of sexism in the world, 
Uh, obviously, here is a, another law that needs to be changed because I would argue that uh, female players are probably more susceptible and more at risk from danger of anyone who runs on the field than, you know, like a male player who is 6'2 and 215 pounds. And if a guy runs on the field, that player uh, obviously is, is probably in a lot better uh, position to, you know, than if like some like big hunking dude comes on the field and like goes after a woman, like it's a little bit harder. Uh, and, and obviously we see Sam Kerr can defend your defend herself quite nicely, but that might yeah, not yeah. always be the no, case. And, not everyone and, is like Sam Kerr, this like Australian, <laughs> like, you know, line B player in another life. Right. You know? And like, so, but, but yeah, like, I get your point a hundred percent. And it, it, It's absolutely terrifying. And the fact that this could even yeah. exist where like, uh, there's like some like hole in the, in the fucking law that says, Oh, a, a women's soccer match or a women's Premier league match or a women's champions league match is not the same level of events as a men's Premier league match or a men's FA cup match or a men's, champions league match uh that that's bonkers i don't even yeah I, I just i don't even understand why that law could be written in such a way that it would that gender would even enter into the equation at all but yet here we are and that and that's my question because you're exactly right it had to have been written that way explicitly law that's interpreted a certain way it had to have been written so that it includes men's matches but not women's matches so like what the fuck was the process behind that I, I I can't even begin to tell you that I don't know, uh, um, but yeah, uh, it, it's just again, it's it's just another uh, black eye, uh, in, in especially when it comes to kind of the European side. Look, the U.S. with our women have our own drama and our own struggles, but we've seen a lot of these on the European side as well. And, and just here's another example uh, where again, like the player had to take the matters into her own hand. She's punished during the match. Again, uh, we talked a little bit about that, and now even on a on a legal level. They, they, their hands are tied because of, yeah, sexism. Yeah, wow, incredible. Uh, did not know that. Yes, thank you for enlightening us, Jared. Uh, my own goal of the day, uh, Harkin's actually back to, was it, I think it was actually last episode. Uh, sure. uh, but we, we, we're yeah, we're yeah, really we, throwing back to last show in this, uh, in this show a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Uh, Joshua Kimmich, uh, as we mentioned, um, yeah, again, not an anti-vaxxer, not necessarily like a hoaxer or anything like that. Uh, just wasn't really sure about the vaccine and its long-term effects and uh, decided that he didn't want to get it. Uh, although now that he has had COVID, now that he has this lung implication, he has now recanted his vaccine hesitancy. And Jared, I'm with you. You know, I, I don't necessarily like revel in anyone getting sick or being hospitalized or dying, you know, even if it's like, you know, those, those conspiracy theorists and the anti-vaxxers and everything. But there is an element of like you know like what did you expect and and almost a little bit of this is kind of what you deserved and and to uh uh, for him to come back and recant it you're just seeing something very similar that a lot of those people experienced who were like hell no i'm not getting the vaccine or this is all a conspiracy and then guess what they get covid and then they're immediately like oh man hey where's that vaccine at can i get that now you know and and we're seeing something pretty similar with him again, it's, it's complicated and his stance was a little bit different than others, but it's sort of like, eh, you know, this is, this is kind of what we expected here. Yeah. Play stupid games, play stupid prizes. Uh, I told you so, whatever we want to say about it. And again, all we can ever say in situations like this is we hope that there are people out there who, who have not been vaccinated for whatever reason that see a situation like this. And even if it takes, uh, you know, their sporting hero that gets to get vaccinated for them to do it, it's better than nothing. So hopefully at least, there's one person out there who can, who are, you know, some people out there who look at this and decide that maybe now's the time. Uh, I would hope so. Although quite frankly, Jared, and this is my I'm dubious. Uh, mistake, I know. misanthropy. I, I am certainly dubious about that. Uh, but anyways, 
Um, yeah, let's go ahead and, uh, and wrap it up uh, on a positive note, as we always do uh, for your stoppage time winners. Uh, Jared, I'll just let you run with this. Go ahead. Yeah, and I know they're not the only team that does this, but I saw it over the weekend, so I want to specifically point out here. Uh, Real Betis, uh, they have a Christmas tradition, and I believe their last like home match before Christmas or, or you know, home match around this time a couple weeks before. Uh, all the fans bring stuffed animals to the game. At the end of the game, they all throw the stuffed animals onto the field. They are collected and donated to local children's uh, charities or, you know, or hospitals or anything like that where the, mm. the toys are needed for kids that otherwise might go without or, or facing a particularly tough time. Uh, so beyond obviously just being a really cool story in terms of what it means, it is uh, an absolutely uh, amazing site. If you catch the video to go find it on, on your YouTubes of like the, just this site of just uh, a bajillion stuffed animals being thrown, not in anger, not in hate. Uh, we talked mm, about, you know, we talked yeah. about France a million times this year, right? Where people are throwing bottles oh, God, and people's yeah. heads and shit. Um, right. But this is, you know, a, a celebration of, of children and a celebration of life uh, made even better actually this weekend, I guess, by the fact that Batiste won their home match for nothing against Sociedad. So a real party-like atmosphere in the crowd anyway, uh, a real joy. And then again, to, to see this, it's a really cool thing to see and to know that it's obviously for uh, the best of causes, uh, always a cool thing and and it's always good to point out that when any of these teams do anything for the kids or for you know charity or for the for good because as we've talked about ad nauseum there's so much that is not good uh yes and and actually i don't have a stoppage time winner and before i start going off on a tangent about why the world is a cold dark place and full of suffering and human misery uh i'm just going to go ahead and whistle full time on us uh, but yeah no jared great uh, great stuff, man. That, that's a great stoppage time winner. Uh, love that. Yeah, the holiday season, man. I mean, you just can't beat it with that that festive uh, human spirit like that. Good stuff. Uh, but yes, we are whistling full time. We're going to call the pod right there. Uh, marketing or social media. So if you were mildly entertained, please tell a friend and spread the love. Godspeed. And cheers, y'all. Bye-bye. <laughs> He's our striker, he's on fire Ooh, hot, hotter than Mitrovic Scoring goals home and away He's playing for the ticks and he's on fire Grand talk was a catastrophe He just wouldn't go away Oh, and then Will Grigg turned it round Cost us one million pound Oh, I said Will Grigg turned it round, cost us one million pounds. Will Grigg is on fire, come on now, Will Grigg is on fire.